The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What is up, Niner Faithful? Welcome back to Clutch Gene Sports. It's your host, Mark with my main man Rohan how's it going Rohan I'm good man I'm good I'm in Chicago right now I'm enjoying hence the, the apparel but uh glad to be on the podcast glad to join man shout out to Rohan man doing it doing big things out there um he's over there at the um NCAA tournament which he's covering the Big Ten tournament I believe um so that's some awesome stuff man uh Known Rohan for a good while. What he does is phenomenal. Um, now, very interesting things happen. Now, as you guys see, the thumbnail that probably got your attention to this episode today, a very good, interesting topic. So, Fred Warner goes on to the Bustin' with the Boys. He goes on with Bustin' with the Boys, which is Taylor Luan, former left tackle of the Tennessee Titans, now free agent. So he goes on there. They're they're kind of BSing and stuff. But we're going to get to that conversation in just a moment. But I want to actually talk about Colton McKivitz signing a two-year extension with the 49ers. Now, Colton, McKiv- Colton McKivitz signs a two-year extension. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean it's a big contract. It might mean a small contract. We don't know the conversation of the numbers. But Rohan, what are your thoughts on the extension of Cole McKivitz? I have two thoughts initially. One, from the team or from the player perspective, and the, well, mainly from the team perspective, when you talk about Colt McKivitz, the number one thing it tells me is the 49ers, this is going to be the right tackle at the moment for 2023. It's a vote of confidence towards Colton McKibbins. Now, they're going to draft one, in my opinion. We'll see what they do then in April. But I think right now the 49ers are looking to get a right tackle. And uh, I think Colton McKibbins, it's a vote of confidence for him because you're extending it for two years. The other thing, I do think that Colton McKibbins is a guy now that you expect to be a starter because they did this. They've done this in the past. They did it with Emmanuel Mosley as Bish Kamar pointed out on Twitter. They've done this in the past where they've relied on a player and then paid him before that contract year where you get more money. They paid him in advance so that they can mitigate the cap next year. I I do understand what people are saying about um, the situation with um extending him makes him the right tackle i just don't know if that's the case because that makes him but makes him the favorite to be the right tackle the thing is is i don't even think he's the favorite because there's a couple of right tackles out there in my opinion that could come in and be day one starters in the draft as for as well as free agents now what it does tell me is the 49ers are very confident going into um, the season with him as their potential right tackle but the way i see it I, i think kyle and john definitely see him as their swing tackle now you extend him two years all that tells me is okay you at least have a swing tackle at least for the next two years i don't necessarily see colton mckivitz being the star of uh, the right tackle and then to me it just seems like one of those deals where you extend 
um, on a two-year deal just because you have some confidence in him where he could potentially be a starter. But I think it's mainly the floor, in my opinion, is he's your swing tackle for the 49ers over the next two years or three years, whatever the case may be. Um, I don't think he is the guy at right tackle. Um, I mean, at least I hope not, not from what we've seen on, on film. Um, nothing, nothing screams starting right tackle. And if you are tuning in, make sure you guys go hit that like and subscribe button. Make sure you guys subscribe to Ron's personal channel. He's covering the Big Ten tournament right now, so that's why he's in a press box. Um, he also covers great 49er stuff, does a lot of great things over there. So make sure you guys hit his, hit that subscribe button on his channel. And if you're watching us from Rohan's personal channel, come over to Clutch Gene Sports. Hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, because every time I go live, you don't want to miss it. So, Rohan, do you think it is wise for the 49ers to be going into the season or going into the draft and free agency and having – Colton McKivitt be your starting right tackle? I don't think that's the mindset you should have. I think the 49ers should want, not necessarily, not necessarily the upgrade, but I do think that they should look for a option, a different option, in that they should look to find who the guy is going to be for the future. Because the number one way to find out if Colton McKivitt is your guy is seeing if he works well against guys who you believe in as well, who you believe can compete. So that's where I'm looking for Colton McKivitt. So, I personally think it would be malpractice from the 49ers if they go into the season with Cole McKivis as their starting right tackle. And the reason is, is you're going into the to the season with whether it's Brock Purdy or Trey Lance, two quarterbacks right. that are coming off of big injuries, right? So, the way I look at it is, like, if you don't address the offensive line, and when I talk to people, talk to a couple agents, um, I was like, hey, what do you think the Niners need to do? What's their biggest area of need from your opinion? And every time I talk to them, it's, their O-line. If you address that O-line, you have a quarterback like Trey Lance, and you have a quarterback like Brock Purdy, who we'll talk about in a minute. You could go into the season with not worrying about them getting injured because you have such a good offensive line. Now, the right tackle position, is it really an upgrade from Mike McGlinchey, or is it the same? In my opinion, it might be a downgrade from Mike McGlinchey. Now, you're still going to get the, the run um, blocking right tackle, um, I think he might be a little bit more physical um, as a run blocker and as a pass blocker. Now, what I'm worried about is the reps that he's had there. He only has reps um, that are shaky, um, in my opinion. Now, it's nothing too shaky, right? Like, there, he has reps. Don't get me wrong. He has reps on the season where he looks really good. But he also has reps where it's like, whoa. He's played left tackle, played right tackle, played some guard for us. To me, I don't feel comfortable going into the season um, knowing he is going to be the right tackle to start. Like I said, I think this contract extension is realistically something for the 49ers to lock up a swing tackle while they go out and try to sign a starting right tackle in free agency and as, as well as trying to draft one. Because if they feel comfortable drafting one, having him start right away, you have a swing tackle for the next couple of years which would be very smart because at any moment, you never know when Trent Williams goes down or another right tackle goes down. Or if you even have a guard that goes down, he could fill any of those roles. So I think to me, it is um, having your Swiss Army knife. Um, they've had that with Daniel Brunsko over the last few years. I think he's taken over that Daniel Brunsko role instead of the sense of he could play guard, he could play tackle on either side. So the way I see it is the 49ers are going into it 
as a approach that the approach they're taking is, hey, you know what? We need versatile guys that are cost efficient because now I don't have to go and get a an extra guard. I could let um, a guy like Nick Zakel continue to develop. I could let a guy like Jason Poe make the back end of the roster and allow him to develop. So to me, I see it as a way for the 49ers to pick up a swing tackle. Um, Steve-O Supremo, my man says, O-line only got one QB hurt. Um, the O-line, in my opinion, um, got a couple QB hurts, a couple, couple of QBs hurt. And the reason I'm going to say this is a lot of people um, – and I'm curious, Steve, what quarterbacks think or the, the 49ers offensive line got hurt? Because when you look at it, um, the offensive line wasn't creating much rush lanes at the beginning of the season, uh, which now creates um, a different dynamic for the offense for Kyle Shanahan. So it might be a reason why Kyle was actually using Trey Lance to run the ball a little bit more because the offensive line did struggle in the run game the first half of the year. Now, it could be because they were, they were lacking a um, running back at that level. Um, it also could be the fact that Kyle – offense tends to get going slow. But in my opinion, I think they got Trey Lance. I believe they got um, Brock pretty injured for the past couple of years, as well as Jimmy Garoppolo in the sense of we've seen uh, Trey Lance get a finger injury in the pocket. You could you could put that on Trey Lance. You could put that off on the offensive line for being pushed back, depending on how you see it. I don't necessarily say um, that was 100% on him. Um, people will blame the offensive line or the offensive tackle or the tight end position on Brock Purdy, his injury. I think um, Brock Purdy got injured with his rib injury. Um, and I mean, that was due in the pocket, I believe. So, I mean, when your quarterback's getting hit, um, that definitely is a area for concern. Now, Josh, he, so he does say Josh uh, Johnson's concussion. The other were, were tight end or receiver. Um, now, I don't think the Brock Purdy UCL injury was on the tight end. I believe that was on Brock Purdy in the sense of he had the ability to step up into the pocket. And he was also a little bit late on that um, read. Um, I believe if he throws with anticipation and he steps up into the pocket, um, he has a, a rush lane and he also has a, a place to put the ball for Brandon Ayuk. Now he didn't do so. He gets injured. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, the offensive, uh, the offensive line wasn't the best when he was in there, but he was getting the ball out quick. So it, it's all up for interpretation on how you see the game. In my opinion, I think the offensive line did get the quarterbacks hurt, um, as well as Kyle Shanahan's play calling. I believe that also got, had some some play in there as well. Um, what do you what do you think on that, Rohan? Do you think the O line had some factor into um, how he called games and how the offensive line got hurt? I think that that's it's a it's a value or it's an interesting point. I'll say that first because the offensive line has been solid. It's not been elite, but it's been solid play. I think you got top 10, top 12 play from the offensive line this year, which was my expectation in the regular season. Now, when you talk about the offensive line and the injuries, I don't think you blame Trey Lance's injury on the offensive line. I didn't blame it on Kyle Shanahan either, but I, it's just a freak injury. Jimmy Garoppolo's was after Jimmy Garoppolo had the chance to throw the ball. He held onto the ball long, trying to extend the play, and ultimately broke his foot by trying to create a play for the 49ers. Brock Purdy's injury, I mean, we've talked about this before. I don't necessarily know if you blame it on the offensive I mean, it wasn't an offensive line thing, but I don't think you blame it on the tight end either. It's just a series of unfortunate incidents that led to the injury, be it him not stepping up, be it him throwing a half a second late, be it Hassan Reddick not selling, uh, not, not uh, what do you call it, not selling for the run or not stopping for the run and just selling for the pass and be it a variety of things like that, including Kyle Shanahan as well a little bit and maybe diagnosing a different play call, understanding what Hassan Reddick's tendencies were going up until that point in the game. 
And so I think that there's a variety of things. I don't think you blame the offensive line. Johnson's you could. Johnson's you could. It was a flat I think Johnson – I, honestly, I don't really necessarily think Johnson was was on the offensive line. I think the, the protection, the coverage should have been shifted, um, in my opinion. Um, when you have a free runner – when you have a free rusher coming um, at, at a quarterback, usually, in my opinion, usually oh, – I'll go back and I'll rewatch that one because if you're seeing it a little different, I might have missed something. But usually when you have a free runner coming, that's the hot route. Now, that's where you know that guy's coming or you have to shift the uh, offensive line. Um, so it could be on the offensive line. I haven't. I, I don't um, 100%. I'm not too sure. I don't have the play. Yeah, exactly. I don't have it in my mind. But the point being, more often than not, it hasn't been the offensive line's fault. When a lot of people look to it, the offensive line is the scapegoat, understanding that you normally remember them for their bad plays rather than their good plays, which is the unfortunate reality of the position. And I think, too, though, is like when you're looking at the offensive line, you, you want the offensive line to be able to pick stuff up, in my opinion, that the quarterback can't necessarily pick up. So, for example, if Daniel Brunskill uh, slides the protection, sometimes Kyle allows the um, centers, his centers usually, to slide protection. So, if you allow to slide protection and stuff like that, you would be able to have that protection be slid and now potentially is going to get injured and stuff like that. So, it is, it, yes, it usually is on the QB to shift the O line. However, there's been a lot of instances where Kyle Shanahan's offensive line, the centers, um, and stuff like that, they're able to see stuff like that where they do call out stuff and they do rotate the offensive line. Alex Mack, for example, he used to call um, the protection a lot for Jimmy Garoppolo to help make it easier. Um, same ha- same thing happened with um, Richburg. They were they were developing him into a center that could call out the protections. Um, so for me, it's one of those ones where it's a little bit of both. I'm not going to put it on one or the other. Now, Everyone's here for a conversation that is going to get interesting. I'm very curious to see what people in the chat say. If you are um, not subscribed to Rohan's channel, make sure you guys go over to Rohan's personal channel. Link is in the description. Subscribe to his channel. If you're on Rohan's channel, come subscribe to me. If you're feeling generous today, go ahead and donate. The the QR code is in the top corner. Uh, We would appreciate every single one of you guys doing that. Rohan, have you seen the Busting with the Bo- uh, Busting with the Boys podcast before? Now I've seen the podcast. I know the title is about Brock Purdy. I'll be completely honest. I have not seen the clip about Brock Purdy. I've seen the clip about Fred Warner ranking his top five. So whatever you say right now is going to be news to me. I haven't seen that clip itself. So it was very interesting, right? So um, I'm looking at things. I'm on regular. Twitter just scrolling, and essentially, uh, Taylor Lewan goes on as he says, um, I've been told, he goes, he asked, he asked Fred Warner, he goes, hey, what do you think of uh, Brock Purdy's game, you know? I've been told that he's not that good. And then, uh, what happened was, like, Fred's face was like, wait, by who? Like, it was very, like, who, who told you that, right? Um, and then Taylor Lewan goes, well, I can't tell you who personally, but after the show, I'll be able to tell you. Uh, Ain't no way kid will sneak this in his own QB, right? Yeah, yeah, he's not going to sneak this his own QB. Like, you know what I mean? Um, I don't think – you said Kittle? Kittle the one with the connection there. I- I'm saying ain't no way, right? Because Kittle so, Kittle, Kittle, pretty boy. So what happened was is Taylor the one goes on and he's like, well, I'm not going to state who because then it, it's, you know – People who and the thing is, this is also goes and it's gonna be another conversation, right? Because this also goes when people are like in my comments, like I, I do text a lot of people, um, I, uh, a lot of people that 
I don't name because of the fact that I don't want those pers- those people to never talk to me again because I'm outing them in public. So Taylor Lewan did the same thing. He goes, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but after the show, I'll go ahead and let you know who it is. But he goes on and says, he goes, Brock Purdy is, uh, I was told by someone in the NFL, he goes, that Brock Purdy is not that good. He's just surrounded by a bunch of aliens, which what I mean by that is he's surrounded by so much talent that his game is elevated. Now, I'm very curious, Rohan. Um, what up, what up, Brian? Um, but I'm very curious on what your thoughts of what that means to you. First of all, I mean, if we're talking specifically about this quote, I honestly think it is BX because a lot of people, a lot of people say this quote that quarterbacks in the San Francisco system aren't good, they're just surrounded by good talents. And to me, I think Brock Purdy showcased something different than the quarterbacks before him in this offense. I think. Honestly, players can probably reciprocate the feeling. This was the best we've probably seen this 49ers offense under Kyle Shanahan when Brock Purdy was playing. Now, I think that this comment is made in, uh, in, in disparity to the comments that Brock Purdy is an elite quarterback, maybe a top 10 quarterback and, and things like that, uh, just based off the eight games that he played. And with that take, I would certainly disagree. I think that you can definitely – I will have a level of disagreement there because I do think that – Brock Purdy can be overrated at times because people look past the play itself and go past, go based on the story to say that he played incredible. And so I think that that can be a take, but to say that he's not good, I don't know if I necessarily under, uh, understand that take specifically. I'm not sure I agree with that. Pretty much what he goes on and says is um, he goes, this person really knows football. He goes, so it's not like this person doesn't know football. Um, they've been in the NFL uh, they know the game of football, so it's not someone that doesn't know the game of football. And to me, when I'm like, whoa, whoa, this is a bigger conversation, and it's crazy. So this is what blows my mind, Rohan, is like, if that was said about Trey Lance, that's, that's bro, that's newsworthy. Like, everyone is going crazy. And I'm not doing this because I'm anti-Brock or anything like that. I'm doing this because this is a legit conversation that people need to have. Like, if the NFL feels this way about Brock Purdy because he says this person is in the NFL. They understand the game. It's someone that I, I really, we pretty much, he respects this person's opinion. Um, he goes on to say that I don't think he's that good. And he pretty much, so um, Rohan, let me know if you can hear my, uh, if you can hear my uh, audio right now, I'm going to play the audio of uh, Go for it. What's going on. Can you, let me know if you can hear it. So, so I'm going to turn my, I'm going to turn my face off because it'd be super close to my, I do not hear that at the moment. I don't know if it's just me, but I don't. You can't hear it. No. Okay, so let me let me try that again. So I will I will word for word say what what is going on. Okay, I will go word for word what is going on because if you can't hear the the, the the computer, you can hear me when the computer's going right. Yeah. Okay, so I'll go word for word. So I'm playing it right now. So he starts off with, right now he starts here, okay? I was listening to, I was talking with Christian McCaffrey, and he was saying that you guys um, told him on defense. He knew you was legit. 
I had this take, and people were telling me that Brock Purdy is not that good. And then Fred Warner goes to interrupt him. Who said that? You know I can't do that. I will tell you after the show. This person is in the NFL, and they understand the game. And then Fred goes, have they played against Brock? They have not played against Brock. It's not a player. Okay? This, per- this person pulled film up for me and showed me him missing throws and different things. And he, his big thing on Brock Purdy, he goes, I'm just telling the information I've heard. His take on Brock Purdy is he is a quarterback that can do a good job of being a manager. But the reason why he is successful is because there's aliens around. So if you guys want to listen to the full thing, um, shout out to my guy. Oh, dang, did I lose Rohan? I might have lost myself. Rohan, can you hear me? Thumbs up if you can hear me. I'm good. I'm good. You're here. Yeah, I'm me? good. Yeah, sure. So he's so he's pretty much saying, um, Rohan, boot me out real quick and then bring me back in. I don't know why my computer's acting up now. All right. Well, Marco comes back. What I'm assuming is what he's saying is essentially when you talk about Brock Purdy and when you talk about the situation, he's equating Brock Purdy to what a game manager is because obviously Purdy, uh, I mean, well, based on what this guy, whoever Taylor the one's hearing his information from, based on what he's saying is Purdy is a guy who has done well but also misses throws and is elevated by the players above him to essentially play the role of a system quarterback, which Kyle Shanahan has also been pretty famous for knowing uh, that that system quarterback kind of realm. And so to me, I think it's an interesting topic when you talk about Brock Purdy, because I do think that when you, uh, when you bring up Brock Purdy and uh, Marco, as you return, I essentially brought up what you were, uh, what I assumed the guy I was, was able saying, to hear that I was able to hear everything you said. I just couldn't like for some reason I could not see anything. So I, I feel weird talking to a blank blank computer. <laughs> but what I insinuated the guy who told Lawan said was he's essentially a game manager. He misses some of the throws. He's a solid quarterback, but he misses throws and he's really elevated by the guys uh, around him, which is what I assume you, uh, your point was. So I would I'm not I don't have a point. I actually have like a conversation. Or sorry, like your your con the conversations point was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I don't necessarily and I'm not gonna I'll have my opinion right now, but like it wasn't me saying this is hundred percent true. Like to me, this the comments what he's saying is is it worrisome that the NFL people in the NFL feel this and it's not just the guy that Taylor Lawan's talked to because I've talked to other people Someone that is with the, with the Seattle Seahawks. I talked to him. He said, we hope you guys stick with Brock Purdy. To me, that's a slap in the face. Like, dang, like, you really – so we're – you know exactly how we hope – we were hoping they stuck with Geno Smith. That is exactly how they feel about Brock Purdy. So, to me, shout out to Mariah. I appreciate – Mariah, I, I salute you every time you're in the chat. Make sure you guys go subscribe to her channel. Amazing work over there. Amazing, amazing work. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribed to both me and Rohan's channel as well. But to me, I don't know how I feel about this, Rohan. Like, 
to you, what is, and I want people in the chat, because I, I really want to have this conversation, but not just you, Rohan, but like, I want to read some of the comments, so if you can, go ahead and comment what this says about Brock Purdy or how the NFL views him, because to me, it's worrisome to me. I do think it's worrisome, but I also where the take is coming from, because Purdy definitely missed most, but I do think that you, the that account is discounting a good amount of what Purdy did, which is you understand that he has the ability to extend plays. The accuracy mm-hmm. is important. The arm strength necessarily isn't elite, but the accuracy is important. And I, I'm going to say this. I don't know if people are going to agree or not. We talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, and a lot of people talk bad on Jimmy Garoppolo. The problem with Jimmy Garoppolo isn't that he's a bad quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is an average, serviceable NFL starting quarterback. That's not the issue. The problem with Garoppolo is he couldn't elevate San Francisco to a Super Bowl. There are two different distinctions. So when we talk about a guy who isn't that good, I'm referring to he's a back-end starter. He's not even a top He's not even a top 20 starter. Or he's not even an average NFL starter. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Brock Purdy equates to that. But the thing though is like these this person might not be um they might be looking at what it is like what Brock Purdy is in general like um the film cuz I I told you and I've said it on on a couple of podcasts um prior I didn't think Brock Purdy was that impressive and I was saying this during the season when he was putting up big numbers I didn't think it was impressive stuff I thought like I I said everything around him was perfect now you could put and people make people made fun of it, but you could put someone like uh, Daniel Jones, right? People were making fun of that contract extension. You put Daniel Jones in that offense last year. That offense probably we probably won the Super Bowl. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you. Literally, if you look at what the 49ers had last year, Brandon Ayuk broke out like we knew he was. Debo Samuel still Debo Samuel when he has the ball in his hands. Christian McCaffrey it was electric. Now George Kittle, phenomenal player, right? Now. When you look at things, to me, the reason why it's worrisome is because if the 49ers say this and they, they see this, and I'm sure they talk to people around the NFL and, and they get kind of their feedback from other people, if they look at stuff like this, if the NFL is worried about him, usually when people know a player is a player, the NFL is talking highly of them. For example, Jimmy Garoppolo, right? You mentioned Jimmy. He was a quarterback that everyone called a winner. They didn't call a great quarterback. His teams win. They would say his teams win, right? The reason why the Niners should keep him is because it gives the team the best chance to win, not because Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback or Jimmy Garoppolo is a great quarterback. It was because his teams win. So to me, it was like, hey, that's a knock on Jimmy Garoppolo's play, and it allows them to evaluate the situation. Do you think this could be a deciding factor, not necessarily a deciding factor on what Kyle and, and, the, and the way um, John Lynch handled things, but you think this could be a reason why they've been floating around backup quarterbacks or they're floating around Tom Brady potentially this year because Brock Purdy might not be back anyways and they might not believe he's the guy? Because if other people were saying this around the NFL, what does the 49ers believe? Obviously, they got to a... NFC championship with him. So that holds a lot of weight. What he's done has hold it holds a very, very high weight in that organization. But it goes beyond winning games. He goes, is he the future 
of our organization for the next 10 years? I think it's a concern, I guess. I mean, uh, again, I'm not going to say definitives on a quarterback who has played eight freaking games in the NFL. Same way I'm not going to say definitive on a guy who's played 15 quarters in the NFL, and Trey Lance, right? Both quarterbacks are right now, in my opinion, unknowns. They have shown what they have shown on film, but that is in a very small sample size, which is what – oh, that's funny. But that is very small sample size. That is very small sample size. So what I'll say about the Brock Purdy situation, the only way you're going to find out what Brock Purdy is in your system over a significant period of time is when he develops over the years and you see what he is through experience. Now, unfortunately for Brock Purdy, it doesn't seem like he's going to get that experience at the moment. He is going to be right now. If you talk about the six month timeline that leads you to March 10th, Oh, sorry, September 10th. Guess what? September 10th is the first week of the regular season. Does not make sense for him to start after just being implemented into you know, uh, implemented at full strength just two days before. So to me, I don't think Brock Purdy is going to be the day one starter for the team. And without that, with the way that Kyle Shanahan has treated his quarterbacks, the one good thing that I'll say about Kyle Shanahan quarterbacks is that he's had the propensity to stick with his guys and put confidence in his guys in that way. We talked about it on Tuesday. And if you want, go back and watch that clip. But I think that that's the important aspect. And I think that whoever starts week one, whichever uh, young quarterback it is, is going to get the opportunity to work through some of the stuff, uh, some, of, some of the issues that they have to deal with. I agree because when you look at things, right, Kyle puts confidence into his players. Brock had nothing to lose last year. Dude was so confident. Now, is Brock pretty a good quarterback in my opinion? I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he is the a future of a franchise. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I think he's a very good backup quarterback. And when you look at teams around the league, right, there is 32 usually starting quarterbacks because that's 32 teams. That doesn't mean there's 32 good quarterbacks, right? Some of those teams have backup-level quarterbacks, and that's why they are not good teams. For example, if you look at the Houston Texans, they have a backup-level quarterback. That's why they are a bad team. However, the fact that they also have no players around that backup level quarterback makes them a very, very bad team, right? So the difference is, is you put a backup quarterback, for example, like Nick Foles, into a situation like Philadelphia where he won the Super Bowl. You put him in a situation where good receivers, good tight end, a good running game, a great defense, you could win. You could win. Like, you put Brock Purdy in a situation with great receivers, great tight end, great running back, a great defense, and a great head coach, you could win. So that what I'm trying to get at is, is he the future of the organization? Because to me, when you have people talking about Brock Purdy in the light of he might not be the answer for, for the organization, there is something to worry about. Now, it is not... A, a deciding factor on how good he will be one day. He could become the greatest quarterback we, we've ever seen for all we know. But the fact that teams are already talking about him like this, it worries me a ton because you, you make him the franchise guy. Let's say, for example, you make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, Jimmy Garoppolo at the time. 
because he he's won games. His tape, if you go back to Jimmy's five game stretch, his tape wasn't perfect. That is the one thing. His tape was not perfect to determine 137 points by million dollars. It wasn't that great. But we got caught, and I don't lie, I got caught up in it. I was like, oh my God, this guy is legit. This is the first time we've been winning in a very long time. Was very naive. Was not just to me, it was plain, no tunnel vision. It was all tunnel vision. And I was like, man, we got ourselves the guy. We got the guy. I was naive. Us fans were naive. We haven't had a quarterback like that in a while. We were winning games. We were, when he got there, we were a two and who knows? We won five in a row. Ended up winning six games that year. So to us, it was like, that is fantastic. But the the NFL was laughing when we paid him that much. Now, Brock Purdy wins games, seven, eight in a row. Film isn't perfect. He's a rookie, though, so I'll give him that. He's a rookie, so there's a lot to grow on. But a lot of those bad mistakes are not fixable, in my opinion. Rolling to the left because you're, you don't like to step up into the pocket. Usually quarterbacks who like to step up into the pocket, they'll do it every once in a while. He doesn't do it every once in a while. He bells. So those are not that fixable of things. You can only fix the ability to navigate a pocket with live reps when you're actually getting hit and moving like that. I don't know how they do that and help them fix that. So it's very interesting to see. So Steve-O goes, I heard similar, I heard similar a few weeks ago, but missing about him missing reads. Forgot who said it at the moment. A lot of people have said it. Um, Rich Madrid has said it. I've said it. Um, uh, uh, Jesse Naylor has said it. Hell, I've said it too. I've said Rohan it multiple said times. It. Yeah. Said it. A lot of people have said it. Steve O also goes, didn't they only win because of Philly special, though? I'm pretty sure they still won a Super Bowl. Right. It, right. 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 Like, hey, if someone tells me, hey, uh, didn't you just win a Super Bowl because of. I'm going like this. You see, you see this ring here. I mean, right? Like to me, I, that's what I'm saying. Is is I still got a ring? You don't. At the end of the day, like, like that's what matters, right? So, Mariah's and Mariah, I need you to investigate. I need you to be an investigation. Um. So, Rohan, do you feel comfortable with Trey Lance being the guy, or do you think the 49ers will turn it over to Brock Purdy? Now, this is a question of two parts, because do I feel comfortable? I have the belief that Trey Lance will be a good NFL quarterback based on what I've seen through his character and through his collegiate film. But am I worried about Trey Lance? Absolutely. I haven't seen Trey Lance play that much at the NFL level, really at all, over the last four years. So there's definitely the two sides to it. But do I have the belief in Lance that he can be a strong quarterback? Yes, because of his traits because he has the prototypical ne uh, necessities that you want in one of those quarterbacks that you talk about. So I have the belief in Lance, but you can't not be worried about a guy who hasn't played much football. The only way to figure it out, though, experience. Same with Brock Purdy. The only way to figure it out, you've got to give him experience. The 49ers are going to give Trey Lance experience, and I think that's going to be valuable in 2020. No, you're, and you're absolutely right. You should – people should be – concerned about Trey Lance as well. I'm not saying Trey Lance is 100% going to succeed, going to be the future of the organization, because we really don't know. It's been four games 
He looked good against um, the Houston Texans. By the way, if the 49ers don't win that game, they don't make the playoffs, in my opinion, because they, they, they barely got in that year, so things could get dicey. Um, they needed every win possible. Um, it also would make life harder because it makes that last week of the season a must-win uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but when you look at Trey Lance, this is what gets me to become skeptical. And I'm and I'm also there's reasons I'm skeptical about um Brock Purdy, and we'll talk about that as well. When you look at Trey Lance in the pocket, he's a very he's very good at navigating the pocket. He steps up into the pocket, he'll slide left, slide right. He's doesn't he's not afraid to to throw in the pocket. Now, what I noticed from him is a quarterback that just doesn't trust what he sees yet. And and what I mean by that is what he does is you see him step up, want to rip it. He, he clutches and then realizes, dang it, I was late on that. But he really wasn't late. The thing is, he was he was there. The right was, he saw right, but decided to pump fake. Instead of just letting it rip, you got to just let it rip sometimes. Um, and instead, he would go to his next street, and that's when he would get in trouble and he would have to start scrambling and, and, and play backyard football style of having a scramble in the pocket. So to me, I'm kind of worried about Trey Lance as well because he hasn't had the reps. He is a quarterback that if you allow him to play quarterback, he will be a good quarterback. Um, you are kind of rushing the process in a way now because you were hoping last year was going to be his developmental year. Of what yeah. Yeah. Play. So where I'm worried is if you rush the process, what does that outcome say? No, I, I agree. I mean, unfortunately for Lance, his process is now rushed uh, because I mean, when you talk about it, he hasn't played, like I said. And what Lance needs playing time, but the 49ers need to capitalize on their championship window, which means you need to see what you see now. The 49ers have a decision on his fifth-year option next year. I'm expecting them to pick it up just because he's a he's a pick. And if they if they feel confident enough that he can do stuff this year, I think that they pick it up. But in general, I mean, pressure's on Lance because you're going to get your opportunity, but it's going to be unlike other opportunities. Whereas, what do I mean by that? Well, normal rookies get two to three years to develop. You're going to get to develop, but you have to develop within this season. Then again, Lance has been working a lot behind the scenes, but nothing equates to in-game action. That's where we're going to see Lance this year. And I agree. That's where you should see the improvements, right? Because at the end of the day, both quarterbacks, I got to, I had the pleasure of talking to a great guy named Brandon Alley. He runs uh, the S2 Cognition uh, test. Um, for S2 uh, Cognitive, or cognitive, yeah, Cognitive, um, or Cognition. Don't know the name of the, the company, uh, but I know it's Cognition and Cognitive. Like, that, those words are back and forth with that company. So he went on, he was telling me, he was like, yeah, man, they're both elite uh, mentally. Uh, they both tested in the elite range. Now, Brock was a little uh, higher in the range because that was reported by Matt Barrows. I didn't get that from Brandon Alley. And then I ended up speaking to another guy um, for another team. Uh, yeah, of course, Ron. So if but yeah, so I'm gonna so Rohan got to go. He got to keep continue covering the Big Ten tournament. My man's doing. Um, 
So I appreciate you, Rohan. You go do your thing, man. Real quick, want to give a shout out to all of you guys in the chat. I, 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 as always, appreciate all the comments you give. All the viewers, thank you guys so much. But uh, I do appreciate it. And Marco, yeah, I mean, uh, good talk as always. We'll be back live very soon. But Marco, you continue forward. I'll get on out of here. All right, brother, you go kill it, man. Do your thing. Appreciate you. So when you when you take a look at what um, I believe I was talking about Trey Lance and Brock Purdy's situation of them being two elite quarterbacks mentally, when you look at what they're doing in, in their processing, so they both have the elite mind post-snap. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by both of them. Um, I'm not too uh, worried about them mentally. I think both quarterbacks are very um, elite in the sense of what they could do. Now, if you're on Rohan's channel, come over to the Clutch Gene Sports. Welcome over here. Come subscribe, like, hit that notification bell, run up the like button. Even if you're on Rohan's channel right now, stay there, okay? Hit the like button for my man because it helps the algorithm. It helps us get the content going and you guys be able to see. He, it, I agree, Rohan is the GOAT. Man, I, I can't speak highly of him, enough highly of him because um, the young guy goes to Wisconsin, starts covering Wisconsin sports, um, eventually takes over for Bucky's uh, fifth quarter. Was running that complete site on his own as, as a young uh, college student, his first year in college, which is very hard to do, especially when you got to travel across the country to go to college. Uh, he does phenomenal there. He does a great job covering the 49ers. So make sure you guys give him a subscri uh, subscribe to him as well. Um, so I'm, I'm not worried about them, the quarterbacks mentally, but we got Emiliano. Um, he has a great comment. So with a great QB, the window is always open. If windows are that valuable, so developing him or trading for one should be the highest priority. Having a team with awesome players, a good QB has its limits. That's absolutely true. So if you have a an elite quarterback or a quarterback that is that valuable to you, you're not going to trade him. You're going to actually allow him to develop. You're going to allow him to um, get as much time as he needs. And we've seen a lot of times um, the NFL is a – what did you do for me now? Or what did you do for me this year kind of league? It's a very win-win now kind of league. So when you see these young quarterbacks get thrown into the fire, you see them fail and people give up on them. Now, that's when you end up getting quarterbacks like Geno Smith, who always had the talent. That's where you get guys like Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, where their team stuck with them for the last couple of years. In my opinion, what you look at is you see Jalen Hurts his first couple of years. If you go back and you watch his first two years, Eagles fan, I, I know a lot of them, they were saying, get rid of him. They were upset that he was the quarterback last year before they went on to this big run. Um, now, is it because of the system? I think it's because the 49ers are looking at a, a, a quarterback situation where you could develop uh, Trey Lance. You could allow him to be the quarterback, making easier reads. For both of them, I mean, Kyle did that with Brock. It was easier reads. Does he do that with Trey? I don't think he should. I think Trey could handle the hard stuff. I think Kyle just has to give him the keys to the offense and stop trying to run this uh, RG3 offense with him. I think that's not his style of game. It never has been. Um, but going to the Brock Purdy, I want comment. I want to see if you guys comment on, on the Brock Purdy um, situation where Taylor Lewan goes on and saying um, – that Brock Purdy isn't that good. And, and it wasn't Taylor LeJuan saying this. He was saying, he was reporting what someone told him. Um, Brock Purdy is not that good. He's just surrounded by aliens. Um, to me, 
this does worry me. I didn't get to answer this as much as I really wanted, but this really does worry me. And the reason is, is because when you have a quarterback or an organization like the 49ers, who, if you're a 49er fan, make sure you hit that like button, because this is a very true, um, interesting debate, because if you're a 49ers fan, you don't want the organization to get the quarterback position wrong, because that's what we've been missing for the last who knows how many years, 20 years, 20 plus years, if you really look at it, um, maybe even longer. You could probably say they they had a quarterback in, in Colin Kaepernick, um, but the last quarterback that I remember that was solid, um, Jeff Garcia, um, but really, really haven't had a quarterback. So if the 49ers get this wrong, they traded away a lot of picks two, three years ago. Um, that's a step back, in my opinion, because – if you get it wrong, if Brock Purdy is not the guy and you go forward with him, the organization goes three steps back and now you're having to play catch-up on all the draft picks you lost, all the um, years of Fred Warner, the Nick Bosa's, the Trent Williams of the world, and you got to try to replace those guys. So you lose a lot of players. So to me, it's interesting. Now, Cody goes on and saying, Shout out to my guy, Cody. Appreciate you for being in here. What do you think about TK's report about Trey struggling with the playbook? In my opinion, if true, it's impressive that he could move the chains like he did without mastering the playbook. I don't necessarily know what I take from that because from week, well, first thing we heard was Kyle Shanahan was very praiseful of, of Trey Lance in the sense of how fast he picked up the quarterback. He There was a time where he came back from was it rookie minicamp to OTAs? And he was like, wow, his mind and what he learned over those couple of weeks was incredible. They were very high on that. So I don't know. I don't think he struggles learning the playbook. Is it, is it a compli- complicated playbook? Absolutely. It's complex. It's Kyle Shanahan's offense. Everyone knows that it's complex. So I don't think I, I buy too much into that because Kyle Shanahan did say that. Um, he came back and he was very knowledgeable and he understood the playbook after rookie minicamp. And Cody goes on to say, and it shouldn't be surprising because it took Matt Ryan a year plus to get comfortable with it. Shouldn't be surprising a 21-year-old. 21-year-old with one year in the FCC, FCS takes some time to learn it. I agree up to wholeheartedly what you just said. Took Matt Ryan a little while. Um, but I think it could also be to the fact that Kyle Shanahan looked like he gave Trey Lance a different offense that he's been running for a little while, which, in my opinion, didn't make sense because Kyle kept talking about how pre-draft process he talked about he wanted a quarterback who had the mind and had the ability to play from the pocket like a Drew Brees, but also has the mobility of a Lamar Jackson, which, to me, was interesting. Um, those That combo was very interesting. So the fact that he said that, why not just hand over the offense to him? Run your offense. You know he could run it. You started drawing up plays on a play on a plane on your way back from the Justin Fields um, pro day. So to me, it just doesn't make sense. Steve-O goes on and says, I'll trust Fred. But Juan, a player keeping sources. Look, my man, you'll never have it. So you'll never have someone in the media ever say who they got their their information from. Do you see Adam Schefter? Do you see Ian Rath at Rappaport? Um Arif, uh, Miov, go on and say, this happened, uh, for example, did we see when when, when Derek Carr signed, we, per source, right? That's what we saw. It said, 
Derek Carr signed with the was signing with the um, New Orleans Saints per source. It wasn't necessarily saying, "Hey, we Derek Carr is signing with the New Orleans Saints per," and then giving a name. It wasn't saying that. They never do it because if you do that, hey, guess what? Now that I know that you're telling people what I tell you, which obviously they still know that they're telling them that information, obviously, because that person sees it being reported, but at least they're keeping it confidential and not throwing their names out there because one, people get fired. Two, people are going to go to those guys. Hey, what did they tell you? Hey, give me information. Can you get this for me? And now you don't know who was necessarily going to. So you're keeping that trust factor. Um, Unless Luan got it from Ron. I don't think Rand said that. Um, I don't think uh, uh, Rand Carthen, which is the general manager now um, of the Tennessee Titans, was with the 49ers, a very good um, pro personnel guy. Um, I don't think he would say something like that. That's not who he is. Um, he is very high character. I cannot see him saying something like that. So to me, that's definitely out the window. I'm not going to um, uh, entertain that that one right there. But to me, what it tells is, is I'm excited because the 49ers do have two quarterbacks. Um, that they could uh, sort of rely on in a way. They have Brock Purdy, Trey Lance. Um, interesting to see how that goes. If you guys have any questions, make sure you guys drop the question into the chat. Make sure you guys subscribe to both channels, Rohan's channel, my personal channel. If you feel generous today, there's a donation uh, QR code in the top left corner. Um, I did also want to talk a little bit about um, Fred Warner's top five players on the roster. So I, I love it. So Fred Warner goes out and, and on while well, he's on that uh, Bustin' with the Boys podcast, he goes out and says the top five players are Fred Warner. Uh, obviously, you got to name yourself, right? So he goes, number one, Fred Warner. Number two, uh, Trent Williams. Um, number three, uh, Nick Bosa. Number four, Christian McCaffrey. And number five, Debo Samuel. And when he says this, it's interesting because um, he says right away, but you could interchange – uh, Nick Bosa and um, Trent Williams, if you want. But my favorite part is is the fact that if you take a look at it, um, if you take a look at it, having Christian McCaffrey there at four, um, and he only was there with uh, with the 49ers for half a year, to me that speaks volumes of the player Christian McCaffrey is. But it also is very interesting that he has Debo at five and not a guy like George Kittle. Would a lot of people would probably have George Kittle in the top five. So to me, it's one of those ones where I like the list. Um, if I had to name the top five players on the 49ers organization, um, I'm definitely going Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, one, two, probably Nick Bosa, number one, Trent Williams, number two, and then Fred Warner comes in at number three for me. I think what he does for that defense is just phenomenal. Um, number four, I would probably go – I agree. I probably do go Christian McCaffrey. Um, so my one through four is probably the same – Number five, I don't think I would put Debo Samuel in there. Um, I don't think I would have George Kittle there. Um, but again, it's all up to, to your interpretation on the value of the player. But I would probably put Charvarius Ward or Talano Hufanga in the top five because of the impact they had the last year. Um, now, every year uh, you have a different top five ranking. And if you don't have a different top five ranking, you're kind of looking at it as your favorite player in a way because every year – a player steps up and be, and has a breakout year or has a phenomenal year. For example, if we're going off of last year, Debo had a down year. Um, so to me, if you're a top five player, you can't have a down year. Um, so to me, that's why Debo wouldn't be in my top five for the 49ers. 
Um, you could throw Brandon Ayuk in there. Some people could throw him in there. Um, I don't think he's there yet, but you could definitely make the argument for him. Um, Steve-O goes on and asks me, asking me about my hats in the background. Um, oh, I live in central. I live in the Central Valley. Uh, so my these these two hats right here. Uh, so this one is mine. This one's my fiance's. This one's my fiance's as well. Um, they're Tejanas. They're Mexican traditional uh, um, hats. They're not necessarily cowboy hats. Um, I guess you could consider them cowboy hats. My main man. Shout out to Jesse. So do me a favor, okay? Jesse just had a phenomenal um, show yesterday. He does a call-in show every Thursday, I believe, or at least once a week. Uh, but when I'm watching him, he always does a phenomenal job. Um, go to his channel, Last Second Sports. Um, he did a, a very good uh, call-in show. Um, he also did one yesterday talking about uh, Lamar Jackson with um, my guy Sunil. Go check him out. Um, phenomenal dude, very down to earth. Um, to be honest, you guys got to get get on, got to get in on that Colin show because you talk about players, you talk about um, anything you want. He allows you to run the pot, the show for that day. And to me, phenomenal stuff, man. Um, so for me, the top five, very important. Um, the thing is, is what bother what bothers me the most. If you do a top five of the Kansas City Chiefs, the Eagles, um, Chargers, uh, Bills, uh, Bengals. Uh, you guys all know where I'm going with this. The quarterback is in the top two spots or or at number one most likely. For the most of those teams, it's number one. To me, that bothers me. The Niners don't have that guy yet. This, organ- this NFL, today's NFL, is an offensive league. You need that number one or number two guy to be quarterback. I would love to for it to be number one, Nick Bosa, number two, the future of the organization. For example, when this guy right behind me, when Joe Montana was on the organization, when he was there, he was number one. Now, you could argue Jerry Rice was number one. You could argue whatever player on the defense was number one. You could say whatever you want. But he was in that conversation no matter what. Steve Young in the conversation. The Niners need that guy who's in the conversation of at least being the best player of, of their organization. So this is a funny comment. So this is more so based off of what happened on Twitter earlier. Uh, Jesse goes, you are a gentleman and a scholar, sir. So I had some dude on in the comments. Very funny. He's talking smack. And then he goes on to say something about being ghetto. Um, I don't get it. Talking about the Bay, Bay Area or something. And he says, it's a ghetto faction that follows grant con or something and then jesse goes define ghetto and he's like poorly educated and my guess he was taking a shot at me and i'm like wait 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 the last thing i am is not educated i mean i i I do and this is me and i'm not the kind of person to ever speak highly of myself i just don't do it because I, I, i try to stay humble um that's how i was raised but one thing that you won't take from me is my education that's one thing that I always tell my students. I'm a sixth grade teacher. You cannot take someone's education away from them. I've graduated from college. I'm in the master. I'm in a master's program. You cannot say I'm uneducated because that's not true. So to me, I thought that was the funniest thing I've seen in the last couple of months. Funnier, funnier to, to me than any of the 49er takes or anything like that. Like people making fun of each other on 49er Twitter about, oh, you want to trade Nick Bosa away. Like, for example, Jesse was... For a little while, people were making fun of him because he wants to trade. He didn't necessarily. He didn't say he's going to trade. He would trade Nick Bosa, 
but he had the idea and he said he would do it of trading Nick Bosa, um, Trey Lance and a first for Lamar Jackson. He threw that conversation out there, presented a, a question to people. And people started making fun of him for it. To me, all that stuff was, wasn't as funny as that comic um, that happened earlier. Uh, so shout out to you, Jesse, for always being a, a great dude and a, a stand-up kind of guy. Um, exactly. Twitter is bad. Um, it's just weird. Um, sometimes you get the weirdest conversations going on there. But back to 49er football. Um, to be honest, very intriguing. 49ers extend Colton McKivitz. If you weren't here earlier, they extended Colton McKivitz um, on a two-year deal. I don't think he's a starting right tackle. And if he is, uh-oh, we're in a in for a long season. If you didn't like Mike McGlinchey, um, you're probably not going to like Colton McKivitz. Um, and that's an issue because we need to upgrade the offensive line, not stay the same or downgrade. Um, you find your weak links on the offensive line, and you upgrade them. Center and right tackle, those are your two weak links. Upgrade. Same thing with defensive line. Uh, edge rusher opposite of Nick, Bo- uh, Nick Bosa, defensive tackle because Javon Kinlaw can't stay healthy. You got to upgrade. So to me, um, seeing that, I think it's just more so a what right tackle in the draft would you go after? Okay, let me go. See, this is the fun times where now I got to go into my notes. See, see, this is the questions that to me I love. I'm a big draft guy. I don't know if you guys, I know most of you guys follow me and you guys know draft. So one of them definitely Wanya Morris. Um, now, Wanya Morris to me is a guy who year one, you might not see the high level play that he will have in from year one to year four or to year two or year three, because he's going to develop um, a little bit of raw. He has very, his physical upside is very high, um, very long arms, very physical in the run game. He's very versatile where I think you could kind of play him at left tackle, right tackle, because he's played both. Uh, when he was at Tennessee, he played left tackle. When he transferred over to Oklahoma, he played right tackle. He's very strong. Now, you could be concerned when you're watching his tape because he was a very high, he was highly recruited coming into college, um, struggled at times. Um, his technique isn't uh, fine. It's not one of those techniques where it's a guy and you're plugging and playing immediately. In my opinion, I think he is an immediate plug and play, but some teams will see him as a guy that is not plug and play. At times, he is not under control and he's not patient enough with his. Um, strikes and his punches. Uh, do you think we could get him with our first draft pick? I do believe we could get him at 99. I think he falls into that range. Um, I think he's a third rounder, uh, late third rounder to uh, early fourth. Uh, he does fit Kyle's system, the zone blocking scheme. Um, another guy I really like that the 49ers should have their eyes on, which he should be in the third round, in my opinion, is Tyler Steen uh, from Alabama. Um, he ran a very nice 40. Uh, he was a um, right tackle um, or left tackle uh, with was he, was he was Vanderbilt. I'm not pulling up his his uh, PowerPoint that I have for him. At Vanderbilt, he was a left tackle. I'm sorry, I misspoke. And then he transferred to Alabama. He became a left tackle. His athleticism is very is very very like when you want someone who kind of reminds you of the run blocker that Mike McGlinchey is because of the athleticism there his range as a run blocker is there um he's very agile so he could he could pull in Kyle's system now when you look at his concerns his core strength in the sense of he at times will be bulldozed 
But I think that isn't anything for me to worry about because he has that strength where it's not constant. It's not like an everyday, every game occurrence. It's every once in a while because of the, the technique, in, in my opinion. So when I talk to people like, oh, it's his core strength, to me it's more so technique. Um, and I would love to see him be more physical in the run game. So that's Tyler Steen out of Alabama. Now you may even be able to get Jalen Duncan um, from Maryland. However, I think he goes earlier than the 49ers could pick, so you might have to trade up for him. Um, that guy, he's a very good uh, size, very good uh, quickness. Um, another couple names out there that I see a lot of people on 49ers timeline or 49ers Twitter uh, really like, Blake, uh, Blake Freeman, Freeland. Um, I'm not too crazy, so I usually try to have, um, yes, Jesse is right, end of third round is no perfect prospect. There is no perfect prospect at the third round. Even even at the top of the third round, there's you're not getting any refined dudes. When you're a perfect prospect, you're going in the first round. Even if you have the the tools and you're not that uh, refined at what you do yet, you go into the first round. Um, can he can he be rock bottom like Michael Gunchy was? Not necessarily. It's more so when Tyler Steen's feet, in my opinion, um, and his technique from his his stance, so his base. When his base is off, that's when you kind of see it. But you don't see him get tossed like Mike Wiglitschi straight put on his butt. I don't see that on tape. What I meant so is more so where you see him get thrown in the sense of, hey, Jesse, I'll send you the link. They want me to bring you on, my man. If you if you can, uh, let me go ahead and I'll, I'll send you the link on Twitter. Um, so you can talk a little football real quick uh, if, if you're down. Um, if not, no worries. I know you're always a busy man. Um but the link will be there on Twitter for you, on, on your DM if you want. Um, to be honest, I don't think – I think Jesse might be uh, busy. Um, dude's always busy. He's probably working up a podcast right now, uh, trying to get something ready. He's always prepping, doing things. So he said, give me 10. So he's finishing up some work. So yeah, I see, I might be done by 10. So, Jesse, no worries if you're not, if you're not in um, before I go. Uh, Blake Freeland, to me, I don't really like um, – taller guys and bigger guys because he's a six seven guy 305 um i believe you uh uh stiffness now that's what you start getting when you start getting taller you start becoming more stiff now he's very effective in his movement he's very very athletic he could pull he has strength but to me as you get bigger you start becoming stiff in the hips and now what that does is prevents you from um, being able to get out there in the run game be able to kick out and, and do the crazy thing. So when you look at Trent Williams, you see a guy that's very athletic and he's very flexible in the sense of he could sink his hips. He could, he could shadow you. He could play that mirror like um, game. So when I'm watching, when I'm watching Blake Freeland, he's good. He has the strength. He has a good strike, but it's, he gets too stiff hipped. And that was the exact problem that Mike McGlinchey has. You get stiff hipped. Now a player gets right under you. He's able to dictate what he wants to do. As soon as they get under your shoulder pads and they have that leverage, um, your base is thrown off. So that's why one thing I'm turned away from Blake Freeland. Um, but he, he is going to be a good guy, a good player in the NFL. Uh, another player that I've been watching, um, he's starting to grow on me. Carter Warren from Pitt. I'm 6'5", 320 guy. Uh, my notes on him is very good pass blocker. Um, he has the length and size. Um, his hand technique is is there. Um, now the downside is he's going to be 20. He just turned 25. So you're drafting an older player. So he's probably going to be there in the third, fourth, at least 
for sure third round when we draft, but probably fourth or fifth um, because of the age players. When they start turning that age, they they start becoming one of those players where, for example, uh, there was a player the 49ers drafted a couple years back. Uh, he was an older uh, – um, Samuel Womack, fifth year. He went later than he should have because of his age. Um, so to me, exactly. So it's if you know if you understand physics, height influences the player center of gravity. So the way physics works, it, physics plays a lot of factors into how sports are played, right? Um, lower base, better center center of gravity. Um, and when you're the taller you get, the higher your 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 stance is, the lower you could get. So now people are able to get under you and stuff like that. Um, but Carter Warren to me is a very good. Um, pass blocker. Um, he could add strength to me. Um, his lower half um, needs to be tied to his, his upper body um, strength-wise because it's more arms and upper body strength than than anything what I see in pass pro. But he's very, very good in pass protection. Um, if we could trade up players, players that week, if we could trade up that I really, really like and that you should watch, um, highly recommend you guys go out and watch these guys. Matthew Bergen, uh, Syracuse, 6'5", 322. I, I became a, Matt, a Matthew, Matthew Bergen fan uh, a couple of months ago. He's very experienced, very versatile. You can play him at guard. Um, so, for example, if they think uh, Spencer Burford is a, a true right tackle, you put um, Bergen at guard. You can play tackle. I believe you can play both sides. He plays left tackle in college, but I believe you could also transition to right tackle. Um, so, to me, his movement skills, his range, uh, he's very controlled, and he's very smooth. When you watch him play, he's very controlled. Now, he doesn't have the freakish arm length um, that some teams want. I'm not too worried about arm length because, to me, if, you were, if you're striking with timing and you're striking with um, a purpose, then you're fine. At the Senior Bowl, uh, he was striking with a purpose and timing. Now, in college, it's inconsistent. So at, when I'm watching him at Syracuse, it was inconsistent timing. Now he has been working with Joe Staley, so that might improve. Now when you're working with a guy like Joe Staley, you're going to work on the fundamentals, and that's something that he needs. He needs the fundament, fundamentals and feet and the footwork um, and the striking and where to place it because at times where as an offensive lineman, you want you want to win the battle with your hands, and at times he shoots too early or, or too late, and when he does shoot, normally – Offensive linemen want to control inside. He shoots outside, and they get by him because he'll shoot with his left hand, and it ends up hitting the right shoulder, which you don't want to do. You want to, if you're going to shoot with your left outside hand, you got to keep that outside. And sometimes he strikes, and it, it goes at the wrong spot, and that's what throws him off. Um, he's really good. Now I think Darnell Wright is going in the first round. I know a lot of people keep talking about him in the second round. He is probably a guy where the NFL is a little bit lower on. Him and Antoine Harrison, they're a little bit lower on. And if those two guys fall into the second round, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm trading up into the second round, whatever it takes, to get that guy. Because the reason is, if you could get Darnell Wright or a guy like Anton Harris, you get a right tackle for this year, but it also secures a left tackle for the future. I believe you could put both of those guys at left tackle once Trent Williams retires. Um, Darnell Wright is a very hand placement, very technical, very athletic. He has good bend. So to me, that's the ideal player I would go after. Um, but that's pretty much it. I'll, I'll, I'll do more. Um, I'll do a more deep dive on players in the draft um, as the draft gets a little closer. 
Um, I like to be able to study more players so I could talk about more players as we get closer to the draft. Um, that's it today for, for today's episode. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Do me a huge favor. Hit the like button for me. Hit the subscribe button for me. Send this episode to someone, a Niners fan, someone who may think that the conversation about Brock Purdy and Trey Lance is interesting. It only helps me, okay? doesn't cost you anything to share or like or subscribe. So do me a favor and do that for me. I appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in. Today we had a very high turnout. Every episode gets growing and growing and growing. And that's not because of me. It's because of you. Okay? So I really appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in today. Thank you guys. Have a great rest of your day. Stay safe if you're in California because I know a lot of people are having the flood warnings and, and the rain is going. Drive safe. And have a rest of your week. Great weekend.